You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We started a series last week and we're going to go through it this whole month and maybe the first part of probably the first week of November where I felt like God was wanting to speak to me and show me something new in Psalms 23, a, a passage that we all know, we all love, we all have heard that we have tattooed on us, that we have t-shirts of, that we have license plates covers of, that we have thick pictures and photos of. And I felt like the Lord wanted to, to bring some new revelation as we read through the passage. So every week we're going to pick a verse. We did verse one yes, last Sunday. We're doing verse two today. And I also felt like the Lord was showing me that in each verse... He also wanted us to see an attribute of God, a name of God in each one of the verse. So we're going to go through six verses, and we're also going to learn six names of God as well. So last week we did Psalms 23. Of course, you start in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the first name of God that we learned was Jehovah Ra, which is used here in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And we made the statement as we read the passage that the first thing that we have to do in our lives is establish that the Lord is my shepherd. And we actually, if you look in the Bible, that word is should be italicized because it wasn't there in the original translation. What King David was saying wasn't just he was making a definitive statement that the Lord, my shepherd... The Lord, my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, because I have chosen him to follow him, to have him lead me and guide me, then we're going to see in verse 1 through 6 the benefits of being shepherded by the Lord, of being a sheep in the shepherd, in the fold of the Lord. But it starts with you making a choice and finding out in your life, I encouraged you last week, who are you following? Because we are all following something or someone. We're following the dream of money. We're following the dream of success. We're following the dream or the passions of our spouse. We're following our kids and trying to make sure that they're succeeding. We're following something or someone in some capacity. But Psalms 23 establishes from the very beginning that who you should be following is Jehovah-Rah. The Lord is your shepherd. And we see in the very first scripture, the very first benefit after making the declaration of the Lord being your shepherd is I shall not want. And we go into verse 2, seeing a new name of God, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Psalms 23 verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. So we see in verse 1, bleeding into verse 2, I shall not want... We see the second and the third benefit. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me, the third benefit, he leads me beside still waters. 
that another name of God, Jehovah Jireh, of all the names of God, you've probably heard Jehovah Jireh, probably one of the most frequently in all of his names. And it's established and it's set up in Genesis chapter 22 in the story of that. And Abraham speaks it specifically in verse 14. You can go back and read the story. Uh, I'll paraphrase. Um, Abraham is promised to be the father of many nations. And he's promised to have a seed, to have an heir, to have those generations come through him. And he thought it was through his slave, his servant, or his wife's servant. And they had Ishmael. And God says, no, 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 that's not the right way. That's not the plan that I have. And he says, well, my wife's getting old. I'm getting old. This, how's this going to work? God works miracles. It works. And they have a son named Isaac. And he's finally got the answer to his prayer. He's finally got the miracle in front of him. And that child is growing up and he wakes up one morning and God speaks to him that night. And he says, I want you to go and sacrifice your son on an altar on a mountain. I mean, I'm going to have to really, if I'm Abraham, like I'm really going to have to work through some things. One, you tell me I have to get circumcised, and two, you have to tell me I have to kill my son that you promised me I would have. We've got to have some conversations, God. This is, but that's not what Abraham does. It says after God speaks to him, the next morning, if you read the passage, he wakes up early in the morning and starts getting his donkey ready and his, his people together and his son ready. If I'm going to sleep in any day, it's probably going to be the day that I'm going to go and sacrifice my one and only son. I'm going to sleep in an extra hour. I'm going to cuddle with him a little bit more. But Abraham knew and knew that he had a promise with God. And God promised him that the generations were going to come from, from Isaac. So he didn't know how God was going to work a miracle. He didn't know what God was going to do. He says, but I'm going to obey. And if God has shown up before, he's going to show up again. And they get their donkey, and he puts the sticks on there, and he puts the oil or the gas on there. They didn't have gas back then, but however they lit the fires. And he got his little torch with his fire. Maybe he got his little Bic lighter at the gas station. And they start walking toward the mountain. And he tells his servants, he says, y'all stay here. Me and the boy are going up to worship God, and we shall return. I mean, the faith in this man. But all of a sudden, his son starts doing some sacrifice math because it's, they've done sacrifices before. And he says, hey, Dad, I see the rocks that we'll use. I see the sticks that we'll use. I see the lighter that we'll use. I see the fire that we use. But there is not a sacrifice. We usually have a lamb. We usually have something. Isaac starts putting pieces together. Well, there's some rope. You got a knife. It's just me and it's just you. We're not sacrificing the donkey. And Abraham says, God will provide. He'll show up. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what it looks like. But God will provide because he made a promise to me that the, that the generations are going to come from you. And if I have to sacrifice you, then somehow, some way, God will revive you. And we'll continue on. 
And the whole time he's preparing. And I don't know at what point in time he looked at his son and said, well, it's not me that's sacrificing today. This is awkward. And he picks his son up and he lays him on the altar and he ties him on the altar and he raises that knife. And right before he goes and stabs his son, God stops him. And he says, for now I know that you were going to do it. And because God and because Abraham are in a covenant together, the way a covenant works is whatever is mine is yours and whatever is yours is mine. And now Abraham has gone and done the deed in God's mind that he was going to sacrifice his one and only son for God. And he didn't kill him. God says, it's good enough for me. If you sacrifice your one and only son for me, then I'll sacrifice my one and only son for you and all generations. And then there was a lamb, a goat that was caught in the brush. And Abraham called the area that he was in, the mountain that he was in, Jehovah Jireh. God provides. The Lord will provide. And they made a sacrifice there, him and his son right there. Jehovah Jireh, I don't know what situation you're in or what's going on in your life, but Jehovah Jireh is here today and still exists. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. At the last second or two hours before or two years before, I don't know, but he will provide. He will provide. And let's look today in Psalms 23 verse 2 how he will provide. The second benefit that we see from choosing the Lord to be your shepherd, the first part of 23 verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me. People don't like being told what to do. I'm not a big fan of it. And a lot of people have this misconception that God's going to make you do things or he's going to lead you As a kid growing up in church, I was always scared that God was going to call me to be a missionary in Africa and live in a mud hut. No TV, no video games. I never get to drive a car. I never get to go to high school or college or date a girl or marry my wife or have some kids or go to Disney World. And maybe that's just me growing up in church. But I was always nervous when I went to kids camp. And they would say, okay, God's going to speak to you, and he's going to tell you what he wants you to do, and he's going to call you, and he's going to do all those things. I'd always have my hands raised and one eye closed because I didn't want to hear what potentially God was going to make me do. Well, you're going to go to the desert in Egypt, and you're going to save the cactus. But God, I want to eat chocolate, and I want to play video games, and I want to go here and do that. So we have this misconception that God is going to make us or lead us to do things that we hate, that we don't want to do, but because I'm in a relationship with God and because I want to go to heaven, I guess I'm just going to do it. But look at what the shepherd makes you do, lie down in green pastures. Look at what he leads you to do besides the still waters. In the Greek, we're kind of breaking down that first benefit, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That phrase, makes me to lie down, means in the Hebrew, to lie down. It means to recline. 
It means to crouch on all four legs, folded up like a recumbent sleeping animal. You've all seen the, the pictures as you've grown up in church of, of Jesus in his little blue dress, his white skin, his long, long brown hair, and his beautiful blue Jesus eyes. And he's got that staff, and he's holding that lamb. The little, little cuddly lambs on all fours just sitting there next to Jesus. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That word green in the Hebrew means grass. It means tender grass or herbs. It also means new grass. And he makes me lie down in new grass, in fresh grass, in green grass. And in that word pasture, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Pastures in the Hebrew means home or habitation, or it means a pleasant place. The definition of pastures also means a pasture where the flocks lie down, remain, and rest. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. In Ezekiel 34, there's a larger passage about God speaking about being a shepherd, but Ezekiel 34 verses 14 and 15, God is speaking. He says, I will feed them, him being the shepherd, you being the sheep, I will feed them in good pastures, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in what? Rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. Look at verse 15. God says this, I will feed Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. That we as a society do not really know how to rest because we're always busy. We've always got something going on. We've always got to go, 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 go. And when we do sit down to rest, we're always going on our phone. Well, I've got to check and see what's on Instagram and Facebook. And do I have any emails? Do I have any voicemails? Do I have any FaceTimes? I'm just a big of a culprit as you are that when we get in bed to go to bed at night, we grab the phone, we look at the screen, and then an hour passed, two hours pass. Finally, we put it down to go to sleep, but our minds are racing. After all of the knowledge and input that we've consumed, we're always going, we're always moving. But God's desire and what God wants to make you do is to rest. He says, I will feed you. And I will help you lie down. If we combine those definitions together, we see in the Scriptures, He makes you to lie down in green pastures. But if we kind of expand from those Hebrew definitions, I wrote this, God will help you lie down and recline in a pleasant place so that you can eat tender new grass. Once there, God is encouraging you to lie down, to remain and to rest. And God is not only just encouraging you to rest once you die and get to heaven. 
we think, well, if I keep going, if I keep going, if I keep going, there's a famous phrase or statement out there that says, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But even at the beginning of creation in Genesis, God made it a priority for himself to rest. The eternal God, after he created everything, made it a priority to show us as humans the importance of rest and establishing the Sabbath. And Jesus, when they came against him in regards to healing on the Sabbath, he said the Sabbath was made for man to rest and recover, not to turn into some massive thing of rules and regulations, because God knows the priority of providing rest, rest to your soul. You could be laying in bed, but overanalyzing everything. I'm guilty just as much as you are of sitting in bed after a long day at work, a long day with the family. You get a phone call, you get a text message, you get a bill in the mail that you weren't expecting. You've got all this to do tomorrow. You know that work is not going to be fun tomorrow. You've got this meeting. You've got this going on. The weekend, you've got this, this, and this, and now you're going back to work on Monday, and you sit there, and you lie in bed, and your brain just goes and goes and goes, and the time goes and goes, and you wake up drowsy, tired, annoyed, grumpy, And instead of asking God for help, we go to our friend, Mr. Caffeine, and say, give me a cup of this. This will get me through the day. But his heart and his goal as Jehovah Jireh is to provide rest to his sheep. Look at these scriptures in Psalms chapter 3, verse 5. I lay down and sleep. That sounds simple. But look at this. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. This is one of my favorite scriptures and a scripture that I probably have quoted more, probably the most scripture that I've ever quoted because of my kids. Psalms chapter 4, verse 8. I quote this over Eliza every night. I quote it over Noah, over my wife, and over myself. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. So the first thing that we need is peace to help us sleep. And why do I have peace? For you alone, you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. I pray this scripture and I quote this scripture every night over my kids. When they bring, when Maddie brings Eliza to me out of the bath and I give her a kiss, I said, hey, Eliza. I said, you going night-night? Yeah. You going to sleep all night? She usually says no. I said, thank you. I said, well, let's say our scripture. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, and in the Lord I dwell in safety. You will sleep all night. Amen? She says, amen. And in the middle of the night, I wake up with hearing her beat on the wall, and I go in there, and I say, do you remember the scripture? Let's quote it again. <laughs> go back to bed again. She, sleep. she slept through all the night this week, I think, so praise God for that. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone will make me dwell in safety. We have a, a, a masseuse in our midst. And I can't, as, it's hard for me to enjoy a massage. It's hard for me to go to the chiropractor as well, to have somebody work on me 
or massage me to help me if I get a crick in my neck or slept on something wrong, picked up something too heavy. It takes me a long time to lay still and relax for someone to then work on me. And usually, I won't ever go at all. I have to like do something or not do something. Usually if I get like a crick in my neck and I can't move one way or the other, and Maddie's like, hey, what's, what's wrong with you over there? And I'm like, nothing, I'm fine. And she's like, well, why don't you look over here and tell me? And I'm like, I'm fine. There's nothing, there's nothing to see here. Everything is good. And she's like, I'm making an appointment for the chiropractor. Do you need to go to the masseuse? Do you need something? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And usually by the time, if I am getting a massage, I can start to relax they're usually wrapping up, and they're like, well, your hour's done. Hopefully you had fun. And I'm like, maybe I should have got two hours. That would have been. But it's hard for me to relax. It's hard for me to take a nap during the day when the sun's out because I think I've got to go. I've got stuff to do. I've got, I've got to go here. I've got to go there. I've got to do this. I've got to fix this. And I'm preaching to y'all today, but I'm preaching to myself because I need Jehovah Jireh. I need the provider to make me lie down in these green pastures. As the great shepherd, God wants to force you to lie down and rest so that he can work on you, just like the masseuse, just like the chiropractor. That chiropractor is going to lay you down on your back or on your neck, and and he's going to start feeling and moving, and he's going to say, hey, I need you to relax because I'm going to adjust something here. I'm going to fix something here that's going to help you, that's going to calm you down. The masseuse can feel when you're tense. They can see the muscles and the pain and the things there, and when they dig that thumb into that knot, thank God my face is down so they can't see my tears, but they're working on something. They're moving something. They're helping something so that I can rest and relax. That's what the great shepherd is doing for you. Jehovah Jireh will provide rest for your weary soul in his new mercies, it says, that are new every morning. That new fresh grass that he wants you to lie down and eat will not only get you through life, but enjoy it. He's not trying to get you to lie down just so you can survive life. God is an abundant God. God is a God of more than enough. He is not just trying to get you to get to heaven. I believe there's a misconception out there. Well, I'm saved, and I'll just deal with life, and then I'll get to heaven, and then I'll be enjoy eternity. That's not the way that God works. God sent his son, and Jesus died, but the gospel message does not end there. Jesus died, but he also lived again. He didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the tomb. He got up, and he went out and lived his life, and he is alive and well. God's purpose and his heart for you that he's providing for you is not just for you to live a meager existence and just barely get along and just barely survive. And then when we get to heaven, to our mansion, then we'll be able to rest. No, no, no. God wants you to rest now in this season, in this moment. He wants you to rest now. And then when he wants you to get to heaven, he wants you to have double rest. He wants you to have the best rest. He wants you to enjoy it. But he wants you to enjoy and rest Now, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking. 
And we've heard this scripture before. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. As far as I know, we're all working. We all have jobs. i got to get rid of this. I'll play with them the whole time. We all have jobs. We're all working. We're all tired. We're all busy. So this applies to you right here, right now. He says, come to me. I am the provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. Because if you come to me, then I'll make you lie down in green pastures. I'll cause you to rest. I'll give you rest. And I will give you rest. Verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If resting was good enough for God, if resting was good enough for Jesus, praise God, resting's good enough for me. After working and doing all these things, Sunday after church is my time of rest. Before I have to go to work on Monday, I go home, we eat lunch, turn on a baseball game, crawl in bed, and just like baseball, it puts me right to sleep. I'll watch an inning or two, and then I'm snoozing and wake up to watch the final eighth or ninth inning where the good stuff happens. Learn from me. Look, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Look, he says it again. Verse 28, he says, I'll give you rest. Verse 29, and you will find rest for your souls. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to make you lie down in green pastures. Let's fly through the third benefit, and we'll finish with this. So the second part of Psalms 23, verse 2, he leads you beside still water. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me, and he leads you besides still water. The third benefit, he leads you beside still water. That phrase, he leads me, in the Hebrew, the first definition is just funny, to run with a sparkle. I don't know what that means, but uh, if God says that he can lead me and that causes me to run with a sparkle, I'm not a big fan of running because I don't run that often and it usually involves me sweating, panting, throwing up because I'm out of shape. But if I can learn how to run with a sparkle, I'd love to do that. He leads me to run with a sparkle. It means in the Hebrew to carry, to feed, to guide or to lead gently on. He leads me. That phrase, the last definition, means to lead to water with the notion of care and protection. With the notion of care and protection. That he leads me besides the water with the intent, the shepherd's intent and heart in mind is to care and protect you. Now, what does still mean in Hebrew? Still water. It means comfortable, it means ease, it means quiet, it means still, it means a resting place. He leads me with the notion of care and protection to a resting place of quiet and comfortable waters. Boy, that sounds relaxing. Let's read a couple scriptures. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10 says, they shall neither hunger nor thirst. You shall neither hunger nor thirst. Neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them even by the springs of water. 
It continues on, he will guide them. He will guide them. And where he guides us and where he leads us is, behind, is besides comfortable, quiet, peaceful waters. Psalms chapter 5, verse 8. This is a prayer from David that we ourselves can be praying as well. David prays, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Lord, make your way straight before my face. Father, you lead me. You're the shepherd, so I want you to lead me. I want you to take me. I want you to guide me. I want you to take me where I need to go. I'm on this journey. I'm on this path of life as I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm asking you to lead me. And look at this, his prayer. Make your way straight before my face. Are we good over there? We got something... Something dying or something happening? No? Oh, yeah. I think there's some cats underneath the, the building. Yeah. Well, Lord, protect them. Make your way straight before my face. What I need before me is your way. And I need it before my face because there's so many directions that I could take. There's so many places and things that I could be doing. I don't know which way. Should I go right? Should I go left? Should I say yes? Should I say no? Should I do this? Should I not do this? What is the right way for me? And the prayer that we see David praying is the prayer that we should be praying right now more than ever in this craziness of the world. Lead me, O Lord. I don't know what path to take, but I know that your way is the straight path and keep it before my face. And the last scripture we have is Zephaniah. We're going deep in the Old Testament. You might not even know that book exists. Zephaniah 3.17. Look at this. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's not far away from you, but he is right here in this place in your midst. And who is he? The mighty one. Jehovah Jireh, the provider, he will save there's no question, there's no if, ands, or buts. He will save you when he is in your midst. And look, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. That's what God is doing over you right now. God has made the choice to rejoice over you with gladness. His sheep. God has made the choice today to quiet your soul with his love. And if you think Maddie and Michaela and our band are good singers and good band players, Zephaniah 3.17 says, he makes the choice to rejoice over you with singing. Whoever the best singer is probably isn't as good as God singing over you, as the great shepherd, the overseer of your soul singing over you today. There's an app, and I'm finishing with this. There's an app. I don't know if you've ever used it. Um, it's called Waze. It's like Google Maps. It's like these different things, but it's called Waze, and, and it was unique when it first came out um, because it gave the opportunity to one, just be a normal GPS. You could put in where you wanted to go, and it would give you the quickest and shortest route to get there. But it gave people the opportunity as people on the app to 
put their own um, comments about that path. And so if I was going from here to my house and you went already on that path an hour ago and you saw a camera on the stoplight right here, somebody could go on the app and say, at this camera, I mean, at this light is a camera, be careful. If you went around the S curve right there and there was a cop sitting at the corner, somebody could put a little comment there that says, be careful, there's a police trap right there. If I was going further down and there was a wreck and somebody had already gone ahead of me, they could put on there, hey, there's a wreck, be careful. There's construction, be careful. There's an object in the road on the right side of the road, the left side of the road. And so on this app, it would tell you the quickest way to get there, how to get there, all the things, a normal GPS. But other people could post on there and tell you what was ahead and what was coming, how fast they were going. They could comment that they had been stuck in traffic, that it was a dead standstill, that the cops had shown up to the wreck or the fire truck had shown up to the wreck or the ambulance or the tow truck was pulling it away and it should be clearing. So it was very helpful because normally on Google Maps, it just tells you how to get from point A to point B and you had no idea what was going unless there was a red line, then you knew you were in trouble. But on Waze, you could look on that whole route and you could see people who had been there five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, an hour ago, 24 hours ago, and they could say, this is in the road, this is happening, this is going on. And you see that we have the Bible, I believe, as our great GPS. We have God as our leader who is leading and guiding us. But the Bible is like this app ways where we have these great men and women of the faith that have already gone through life and they're commenting and telling us what we should and shouldn't do. I can go in this book and I can read stories. I can see King David telling me, hey, don't cheat on your wife, it doesn't end up well. I can see Peter telling me, hey, don't deny Jesus. I can see John, he's saying, hey, fall in love with Jesus. I'm the one that he loves the most. I can go through this book and I can read and I can see the comments of men and women who have gone before me and they're telling me, this is how you live your life. This is how you trust God. This is how you watch God lead you and guide you and provide for you and show up. And it says that he will lead us and guide us. And he's placed the Holy Spirit inside of us in John chapter 16 that says he will lead us and guide us into all truth. And you know what? If your life is, doesn't consist of still, quiet waters like he leads us to, I'm so encouraged because I know my shepherd is the one who has control over the water. He's the one who created the water. He's the one who can divide the waters. He's the one who can walk on top of the waters. He's the one who can calm the waters. And ultimately, he can lead me and guide me beside still waters. He is our Jehovah Jireh. And people think that when we talk about Jehovah Jireh, the provider, it's just strictly with money. People always equate provision to money, but God is more than that. God is more than throwing a couple dollars at you to help you get by. He is the provider that wants to provide rest to your soul. He wants you to bring peace to your soul, and he wants to lead you beside still waters, the quiet waters 
of life. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out today. Next week, we will talk about Psalms 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. We've seen Jehovah Ra, our shepherd, and now we've seen Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Take time this week, especially tomorrow. If you're off, even if you're not off, take time to find rest. To find rest, to let him lead you. Direct your path on where you're supposed to go so that you can rest and breathe and let him work on you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that won't return void. We thank you that it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, we thank you for the benefit of letting you be our shepherd, that you will make us to lie down in green pastures and you will lead us beside still waters. You will, be, you will bring rest, you will bring peace, you will bring mercy, that we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear, but we can just breathe and rest in you, knowing that you're our provider and you're going to take care of us. Father, I thank you for the people that are traveling today and that are going to vacation and, and going to enjoy this holiday weekend. Father, be with them, protect them, give them traveling mercies everywhere they go and bring them back safely. For us that are here today, Father, as we go home today, let us rest. Let us relax. Let us breathe in your presence and let you breathe on us. Father, I thank you for your people that they have the mind of Christ. They are healed by the stripes of Jesus. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Everything that they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that they are the head and not the tail. Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. They are a city set on a hill. Father, that you're with them. You're protecting them. You're blessing them. And you are speaking to them and leading them and guiding them. Father, bless them, protect them, and keep them safe as we go into this holiday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you, and we will see you next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC, and have a great week.